All right, God bless you all. Why don't you grab your seats? And we're going to start a brand new series today. And before I jump into that, I am excited because today we are launching our summer small groups. Who's excited for small groups? Come on, somebody. And so we got all sorts of different ones. And we're really passionate that as we grow larger, we grow smaller. And we don't just become a crowd, but we actually become friends. And I know we're not perfect at it, but we really want friendships to form. We don't want to be a clicky church. We don't want people to wonder, how do I break in? How do I stop being on the outside looking in? And the most practical way we found to form an atmosphere for friendships is through small groups by taking what people are already doing and using it for Jesus. And so we got like crazy groups from playing card games and Smash Brothers to men's group, women's group to worshiping, all sorts of things. We've had ones in the past like walking dogs and Bible studies and book studies. We have, we have a small group about the Holocaust and studying it. And, and it's just amazing how people have some, you know, common interests of all sorts. And we can use that for God's glory. Amen. And so I want to show you this, uh, this video that shows how you can access our small groups. So you go to kalos.church slash groups, and you'll get to this page, and then you click that link right there, and you'll see, hey, can we give it up for these beautiful small group leaders? Come on, making known the beauty of themselves. And so, love it. Look at that, holding, <laughs> holding cards, and yeah. It, you know, sometimes in church, it feels like people are all friends with each other, and you're like, how do I become friends? And so that's why we create small groups where it has a way people can access it online and have an easy entrance in instead of having to know the right person at the right time to hear about when the party is. And you don't just have to watch through social media and be like, man, those people are partying. How do you get invited to one of those? This is a practical way. So I encourage you all, even if you have a lot of friends and a lot of family, Please join small groups so you can be a blessing to someone else who's looking for friends and family. And we can join in God's ministry in setting the lonely in families, Psalm 68.6. Amen? So small groups, it begins today. Hey, can we turn on the lights and we will jump into the book of John. So we are starting a new thing at Kalos never done before called Summer Reading, where we're going to be reading the book of John as a church for the next three months. And so it starts today, so you're not behind. So what we're going to ask is that as a church, we read two chapters a week, which is about 10 minutes of reading, depending on how fast you can read. So two chapters a week, and that'll bring us through the 21 books of John. And I believe that we will learn and grow together, and we'll get a deeper understanding of community and who Jesus is as we explore the book of John, summer reading. And so just off the bat, I've heard some people say they're really exciting, excited to journey through a book. Who, who here is excited to like just journey through John? Yeah. And uh, I mean, going through John like this, I haven't done this really as a pastor before, Pastor Amritha either. And so we're excited for the just the opportunity to walk through this. And and uh, people have accused me for being on the John for a long time, but never three months. And so this is going to be a fun, fun journey. So <laughs> as we look at the book of John, <laughs> who just got it? <laughs> as we look at the book of John, 
we're going to see that it's a gospel account of the life and sayings and teachings of Jesus Christ. And in the New Testament, the first four books are called the Gospels. We see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar in their style and perspective. But John stands apart as something very, very different. The first three are called the Synoptic Gospels in that they look alike. But John really focuses on a couple of themes like life and light death and unbelief and it talks about the 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 divine nature of Jesus Christ fully God and fully man and uh, I want to let you know about a website we created kalos.church/john and you can access that website and it's going to give you videos that are an overview of the book of John you can see our entire reading plan our week and the dates so you can participate and some strategies for reading this but we see the book of John is divided into two parts. We see uh, seven miracles that Jesus performs that really establishes his divinity, that he is God, um, often called the book of signs. And then the second half is really the time leading up to the crucifixion. And we kind of zoom into that week and it, it, the book of the hour, some people would call that. And as we journey through this, we're going to really dive into these signs and the themes and the teachings of Jesus. But right off the bat, as we start off with chapter 1, we're going to see that this starts off with the phrase, in the beginning. And if you're familiar with the Bible, that's going to remind you of Genesis 1. The first scriptures in the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we see right off the bat, there's a, a theme that Jesus is recreating everything. That this is a new beginning for all of us. And it starts off really cosmic that God created everything and holds everything together. In him, all things were created. And in this book, we will see that it's a, it's a really intimate look from this cosmic perspective, zooming into the life of Jesus, authored by, many would say, the, the disciple John, because the scripture in John says this was authored by the, the one who Jesus loved, which is kind of a humble break, but I like it. And, uh, and it was written about 50 to 80 years after the life of Jesus. And so let's jump into it, and we're going to hear a great encouragement from the scripture. John 1 starting with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Dear Father, I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word today, but doers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And so we see this theme right off the bat. In him was light. In Jesus was life. I love this theme of light and life. Specifically, because uh, Amritha and I, we just had our second child, Nala. And her middle name is Life. Our first child, Obadiah, was three years old. His middle name is Light. So we're living the scriptures. We're practicing what we preach. Wow. Light 
and life. And as new parents, you may relate to this, parents, but when your kids are crying and whining, you just pray and hope they are silenced in the slumber of sleep. You want them to shut up. Anybody with me? Just shut up, two-month-old baby. And so you pray these prayers, and uh, they're finally quiet, and then you get insecure. They're too quiet. My prayers have caused their suffocation. I'm worried. My anxiety is rising. What am I going to do? I mean, there have been so many times as a joke, I've been like, Amritha, hey, is baby Nala breathing? She's like, why did you ask that? Is she breathing? But then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, is she breathing? And so the child you've been praying falls asleep and is quiet. Now you are waking that same child up to make sure they're alive. Are you awake? Are you alive? Are you living? Are you breathing? A number of years ago, I went on a 40-day fast where I drank only water and lost about 32 pounds. And I became really, really lethargic, and I would crave sleep. And uh, I, I would just regenerate and get energy, and I, I really needed that because I was so weak. But I, I'm a snorer, generally. Any snorers in the house? Is this a safe place? Come on. It, it, you can point to someone next to you if they're a snorer and they don't want to admit it. Come on. All right, all right, all right. And, uh, I, and so Amrita, she, she noticed that as I, I lost weight, I stopped snoring. And so she would get up real close to me while I was sleeping, and uh, she would think I was dead because I was so quiet. And she would just put her ear and her face next to my nose and my mouth. Maybe she could feel my breath, see some signs of life, but she, she wouldn't. She's like, oh my goodness, my, my husband is dead. And she'd wake me up. She'd be like, hey, are you, are you awake? I'm like, yes, <laughs> I'm awake now. What are you doing? She's like, I needed to know if you were living because you were so quiet. You know, in, the, in this scripture, it says right off the bat in this theme of an impersonal God becoming personal, that God would become flesh. It says that in Jesus, in this word became flesh, was life and light. And I, I like the idea that there is life in Jesus because I think a question we all are asking ourselves, even if we're not asking it out loud, is this same question. Am I living? Just like we ask about our children, just about the same way my wife would wonder about me, am I living? I think sometimes we wonder about ourselves. Am I really living? Do I really have life? And we might not uh, think it so articulately, but as we look at how much we busy our schedules and we cram in all these bucket list items and we're insecure when we watch people's social media feeds and we see their accolades, their parties, their success, and we're like, am I really living my hashtag best life? Am I? Am I really living? If we look at why we get our degrees and why we pursue that job promotion. If we look at why we are looking for the next best thing, the next best party, why we're trying to find that great restaurant or that hobby or that activity or the way we're spending so much money or we're buying all of this. Maybe if I just deliver this thing to myself from Amazon, it'll make me feel like I have a little bit of life. Am I really living? And the book of John has this theme of life throughout of it. I think there's some 47 times where it, it talks about life and receiving life. And there's a, a quote by a thinker named Richard Rohr that really spoke to me about this, uh, this fear of, am I really living? It says this, there's a certain fear of death that comes from not having lived yet. 
I had to face death myself through three different experiences with cancer. I don't think I was terribly afraid of death each time, even though I knew it might be near, because I knew that I had already lived. Once you know that you have touched upon the great mystery itself, you're not so afraid of death. But there's an existential terror about losing what you've never found. Something in us says, I haven't done it yet. I haven't experienced the stream of life yet. I haven't touched the real, the good, the true, and the beautiful, which is, of course, what you were created for. When we know we have experienced the stream of life, we'll be able to lie on our deathbed like Francis and say, welcome, Sister Death. I'm not afraid to let go of life because I have life. This fear of death because we haven't experienced life, I think, does consume our purchases, our accolades, our ambitions, our comparisons. And so we have to ask this question, am I living, and how do I find life? And that's why I'm so excited to go on this journey of John, because the the author writes a thesis statement of why he wrote the book of John. It's found in John 20. He says, I've written this so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And so the title of my message today is, You May Have Life. For those of us who wonder, do I deserve life? Can I access life? Does God have a great life plan for me? Is there life that's at my disposal? I just want to say, in agreement with this thesis statement for the book of John, you may have life. But how do we achieve this life? We try to find it in all these areas. Well, as we walk through the book of John, I want to identify three themes that I think we can benefit. And it's as we behold who Jesus is, we might believe in Jesus. And as we believe in Jesus, we become children of God and we lay hold of that life that is promised. And so I want to challenge us today to behold, to believe, and to become. So first of all, let's talk about beholding Jesus Beholding Jesus. I love that. Even Moses today in communion talked about making eye contact with Jesus, spending time with Jesus, knowing Jesus. And even before I move on, I just want to say that Jesus isn't the means to a better life. Jesus isn't the means to uh, unlocking these great things. Jesus is the reward. The Lord is the reward. There's nothing greater than knowing Jesus. And the story starts off by saying, in the beginning was the word. And if you're familiar with Kalos Church, you know that we love to poorly pronounce Greek words. So I'm going to say logos, though some people might say lagas. And uh, so in the beginning was the word. And a Greek person seeing the word logos would ignite certain thoughts. They would think of the the philosophical force behind wisdom and strategy. In that day and era, the rich who had time to study and learn philosophy felt more spiritual because in the pursuit of truth and wisdom, you were able to align yourself with the divine. And so the Logos was this impersonal force behind creation, an impersonal force that you couldn't know, but it was something that you pursued as a means to align with 
the divine. But here in the scripture, in John, right off the bat in this first chapter, talking about Jesus, it says that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, but that same word became flesh. That same word dwelt among us. And that same word that created the cosmos was something that we could feel, something that can be felt. And it was an opportunity for us to behold Jesus. And I I love this, and that's what this whole journey through John is going to be about. As we read two chapters a week this summer, we're going to focus on beholding Jesus, looking at Jesus. Have you ever had a friendship where you're the greatest friends, you have all these jokes, you get along, you're at ease with one another, but maybe one of you moves away and the friendship falls apart and nothing really bad happened, but distance drew you apart and so you're not talking, you're not hanging out, but then you're able to visit with one another, maybe someone takes a trip and you're like, ah, it's so great to be with you. I remember why we're friends now. And as you behold each other, as you make these eye contact moments happen, as you're able to joke, as you're able to be in the same place at the same time, you're like, I like this. And this journey of John, I think, is going to be critical for many of us because we've started a relationship with God. We've started a relationship with Jesus, but then as we've been distracted maybe by serving in a church or maybe attending a church or, or maybe we've stopped having a personal relationship with God, we've forgotten what drew us to Jesus in the first place. And I, I think it's time for us to remember that the Lord is our reward, and it's time to behold Jesus again. Some of us might think, well, I, I'm intimidated about reading the Bible. I don't have a theology degree. I, I have a hard time focusing and reading. I, I have a lot of, just behold. I, I, but I have so many questions for God. I don't, I, and I, I haven't lived a perfect life. I have so much, just behold. All we need to do is behold, and that's where this journey starts, because what we behold, we become. And what we behold, we will learn to to believe in. And I want to start off this journey by saying, hey, it's time that we just simply embrace Jesus for who he is. Instead of judging the church and faith by people's misrepresentations of Christianity, how hypocrites have failed the gospel, how leaders in the church have failed, it's time for us to start judging faith and Christianity by the ideal of Jesus and not the misrepresentation of Jesus. And as we look at what Jesus said, as we look at what Jesus did, as we look in this journey of John, I believe we're going to fall in love with Jesus again. And that is my prayer for all of us, that you would behold Jesus and take him as his his word. And uh, some of us, though, we feel like it's just, it's so difficult to behold, but that's why we get to do this as a community. We're not alone. We're journeying through John together. And as we behold, we'll find that this God, which might be understood as an anger God, a distant God, someone we can't have a relationship, we find that the word does become flesh. And in the book of John, we find a God who became flesh and became a God that can be felt. That's just the beginning of two rhymes. Get ready. So we find in John a God that can be felt, but then we see that he was a God who dwelt. And it says that the word dwelt with us, that word became flesh. And in this language, 
in the book of John, it's the same word in the Greek where we would get tabernacle as well. It would be the same imagery that struck up in the early readers. And when you think of tabernacle, some of us might remember the Old Testament. And so we see in the beginning, that reminds us of the book of Genesis, and we see recreation. And now when we see tabernacle, we remember how the presence of God in the Old Testament dwelt with the people in the tabernacle. And not only did the impersonal force and idea of God become personal in Jesus, he lived amongst us. And when we dwell with God, we find that we start to believe him at his word. You know, Andrew Jennings, who actually starts as the first staff member of Kalos Church ever today, which is amazing. I remember when we were moving across the nation from Michigan to Seattle to start Kalos Church in 2017, he had a, he had a moment of belief. You know, I'd been as a youth and young adults, or as young adults pastor for about five years, and he had heard me preach a lot of sermons and share a lot of crazy stories, but in the back of his mind, he did believe all my stories were completely true, like I think some of you might feel as well. And uh, we were at this place called Voodoo Donuts in Portland, and uh, we're waiting in line, and I see a bunch of teenagers, and this was the moment that Andrew started to believe a lot of my stories. We're with a lot of teenagers. They're wearing purple sweatshirts that say Phoenix Basketball. And I'm thinking, wow, they're a traveling team. I'm going to create a moment, a mob mentality. There's going to be a lot of cheering. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. And so I start screaming, Phoenix Basketball! Sports! Woo! Teenagers! You know? <laughs> and I'm thinking people are going to be cheering excited. It's going to be chaos on the streets of Portland. Donuts are going to be everywhere. And uh, nobody responds at all. It's silent. They don't even look at me. The height of my insecurity level unlocked. And uh, I, I was like, what is happening? And then a perfect stranger leans over to me and says, hey, do you understand what's happening yet? I go, no, what? I don't know. And she goes, you'll, you'll figure it out. So I start watching the teenagers a little more close. And I, I see that they're all signing each other, to each other in sign language. And I realize, oh, pretty penis, you're, you're yelling at deaf teenagers again. <laughs> like, what's that? I'm like, no, I'm they, can't, they can't hear me. And that's why they didn't respond. And I was getting mad and yelling louder at them. <laughs> And this was just a bad moment. And then Andrew looks at me and says, hey, I now believe the stories you share in your sermons because I'm a part of one right now. <laughs> and I like this idea that Jesus dwelt with us and we, don't, we can believe these stories as we look at Jesus. And as we, as we journey through the book of John and we, we see how Jesus treated people with love and compassion, as we see the miraculous sign he performs throughout the scriptures, what I, I think is going to happen is you're, you're going to start wanting to follow Jesus. You're going to start wanting to believe in Jesus. You're going to start believing in his message of love and bringing dignity to all people. You're going to start believing that maybe Jesus has the answers to your problems. Maybe he has the perspective on your situation. And, and, and some of us, yeah, we have doubts with faith and Christianity. And we, we struggle. And sometimes we, we feel like we have to have all my doubts all settled, all wrapped up before I can be with Jesus. But as we journey through Jesus, 
I want you to take all your doubts and worship God with your questions. He's not afraid of your questions. He lives and dwells with us. That means he knows the darkest, most embarrassing, humiliating parts of our lives, and yet he dwells with us. And not only does he know the things that we struggle with, he took on the things that we struggle with. God the Almighty who chooses absolute vulnerability. The word became flesh. Even just like look at your arm and look how fragile it is. It can bleed. It can bruise. God became that for us. We see in the book of John, God is the divine sovereign who accepts human limitation. God is the ultimate transcendence who joins in human suffering. God is the rightful monarch who becomes a displaced refugee. God is the infinite who empties himself. God is the God who becomes human. God is the God who becomes common. God is the God who becomes poor. And the parts of our life we're so embarrassed to share with God, guess what? He was tempted with the same exact things. God dwelt with us. So we see that the word God became something that can be felt. But not only that, God dwelt in our insecurities. God dwelt in our anxiety. God dealt, dwelt with our depression. God dwelt with our addictions. God dwelt in our frenzy and our search for life. God dwells with you. And as we behold Jesus, look at what he did, what he said, I'll find And we'll find that our belief rises and we start to trust him as he dwells with us. Amen. Amen. The third thing we see is that as we believe, the scripture says in John 1, 12 through 13, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God who were born not of blood or the will of flesh or the will of man, but of God. We become children of God. We find new life. We find a regeneration in our minds, in our hearts, in our our spirits, and in our frenzy, in our search for life. The reasons we fill our schedules, we find that it doesn't come by our own strength. It doesn't come by our own striving and our frantic pace. We find life by beholding and believing in Jesus. And I just want to say, you may have life. And it's a scary process because it says that Jesus was the light of the world, and in that light, we found life. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience where maybe in your living room, the sun shines through your window, and you're like, I need to clean. There's dust everywhere. (laughs) My goodness, I am a dirty man. Have you ever had that moment? I am just, I, this is not good. There's light shining, and you'd think that would be a good thing, but then you realize, like, there's dust in my atmosphere. <laughs> it's all around me. I didn't know dust could float. And then you realize, wow, the scripture says, wow, God breathed into the, the dust. And the word Adam, Adam in the Bible actually means earth or dust or dirt. And you realize one day I'm going to become dust or dirt again. 
And oh my goodness, I am dust and I'm living in dust. And I will be dust. And dust is everywhere, but nowhere. But I saw this when the light shined. And now I'm insecure. I hope nobody comes over because I don't have enough Febreze. And where I don't even own a duster, but I have some washcloths. Maybe I should wet that so I can pick up more dust. Oh my goodness, it's on my hands. There's dust everywhere. And now the light has made me so insecure. Has anybody ever been there? And you, you might find that as we <laughs> journey through the book of John, there's going to be a great light that shines into our life. And at first, it might be kind of scary. It might be a little embarrassing. It might be a little humiliating. But that light in it, there is life. And I, I, I believe, though, that as this light enters our life, I wanted to write this phrase so I get it done right, but... I believe that Jesus doesn't just want to enter your life. He wants you to enter his life. He doesn't just want to to bring light into your dirty places. He wants you to be transformed by joining in his life, which I'm so encouraged by because we are children of God as we believe and receive in Jesus Christ. That tells me that there's the DNA of the divine inside of every single one of us. And for those of us who are frantically trying to find life, you don't have to do anything but believe and receive. And that DNA is transplanted into us. We are grafted in and adopted into the family of God. God, who created us, regenerates us. And there's a new in the beginning for all of us. For those of us who who maybe haven't been experienced life, we've been experiencing death. For those of us who maybe haven't been experiencing light, or we've been experiencing darkness, I just want to say that as we journey through John, there's a new in the beginning moment for us as Jesus invites us to enter his life. And so I want to give us a practical tool for us to read these scriptures together so that in our reading of the scriptures together, we're beholding and helping us to believe and that by believing we would become. Now, I want to I share this method called the SOAP method for those of us who are intimidated to reading the Bible all together. And so SOAP stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And this is a method that I will believe will help you as you read the Bible on your own. And on the website, there's like different um, paraphrases and translations of the Bible. If you don't know what kind of Bible to read, we have some of that information on our website. And as you as you read two chapters a week, I'd encourage you maybe once a day to do this or maybe once a week to do this. Just take your next step in your journey of faith. But we will read the scripture, maybe grab a journal and write out the scripture that you're reading that day or read it out loud or read it to yourself. Read the scripture and then and then as you're reading it, observe it And write down your observations. So, hey, I see in this passage, Jesus is feeding 5,000 people. One boy had a little bit of bread. Jesus multiplied it. It was a supernatural miracle. And now the people have food to eat. So I observed that, man, all things are possible with God. My little can become a lot in the hands of God. That's my observation. And my application is, wow, I need to start trusting God with my little, my finances, maybe my, uh, my actual food. Maybe I'm having a hard time buying 
food or maybe uh, I just am having a hard time paying for rent. But you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to place my whole life into God's hands and trusting that my little in his hands is better than in my hands. And I'm trusting that God will multiply it. So, Lord, my application is I'm going to trust you and believe that you'll take care of me. And so my prayer, maybe a written prayer or prayer out loud, is, Dear Father, I just give you my little. I give you my life. I give you my finances. And I, I'm just choosing in this moment not to give into fear and not to give into self-preservation, but I'm going to give it to you in trust. In the name of Jesus, amen. And so that's something any of us can do. Uh, and I encourage you, do that on your own, but we'll have the comfort of knowing that the whole church is doing it together. And we're going on a journey. You're not alone. And I believe that as we just simply immerse ourselves in the scriptures, as we behold who Jesus is, for those of us who have been struggling in our beliefs, I think our belief will be strengthened. And as we believe, we'll be transformed and we'll lay hold of that life that's promised to us in Jesus Christ. I want to share a story as I close. And it's a, a story that happened to me, and uh, it's stuck with me for almost 10 years now, but I was living in Colorado Springs, and I, I got a job doing some landscaping and weeding at this house, and there's a, a man there, and he was asked to work with me, and I was a little interested why he was working with me, because this was a, a pastor, but he had just moved to Colorado Springs, and he's a former president of a, a Bible college. He didn't need the money or anything, but he was just trying to distract himself, trying to help someone else out. So he started doing this weeding and landscaping project with me. And uh, as we were in, 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 in the grass and looking for weeds, he was a little downcast and his heart was a little broken. And I could sense that. He could sense that. I sensed that. And so he's about 58 years old. I was about 21, 22 at the time. And I was really excited to ask him a lot of theological questions. And I was on my journey to becoming a pastor, and I wanted to pick his brain, but it just, it didn't seem like the atmosphere or something seemed a little off. And he actually said, hey, you might notice that I'm a little downcast and I'm a little, a little sad. I'm going through some issues right now. I'm going through a really difficult time. I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. What, what's going on in your life, sir? And he said, well, I have three daughters, but recently uh, my, my oldest daughter, she was in a, a car accident and she passed away. And I'm just, I'm having such a, a difficult time. And uh, a few months after my oldest daughter passed away, my second daughter, who went to a camp to, to lead worship and singing, she, she went to bed and, and never woke up. She passed away in the middle of the night. And, and nobody even knows why that happened. And so I have one living daughter, and I, I just, I couldn't lead the Bible school anymore. I can't pastor. I'm just, I'm devastated. So here I am just weeding with you just trying to take one step, and, and I was like, I am, I don't even know what to say. I, I'm so sorry. And he says, hey, can I, can I just take a moment to teach you something, Pradeepin? I said, yes, by all means. He said, the only reason I'm able to continue being a husband, the only reason I'm able to take even one more step and continue being a good father for my, my one remaining daughter is because I have a relationship with the word. And he held up his Bible. It's because I have a relationship with the word. And he said, Pradeepan, as you become a pastor, as you, as you move forward as a young man of God, can I just challenge you 
to have a relationship with the word because the, the word can become flesh in your life. The word will be an anchor to you. The word will be a source of strength and hope. It will be a solid foundation when the storms of life crash on you. Have a relationship with the word. And it's that same phrase I want to pass down to all of us at Kalos Church. As we choose to journey through John this summer, as we do things like the soap method, as we behold Jesus and we learn to believe again, and as we become all that God has for us, man, the Lord is the reward. I just want to challenge all of us. Have a relationship with the word. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you so much that we can have a relationship with the word. Jesus, I'm so thankful that you didn't just stay this distant, cosmic God, but you're a God who can be felt. You're a God who, who dwelt in the midst of our vulnerabilities, but you didn't leave us in our vulnerabilities. You're a God who helped. And I, I just thank you, and I trust you, and we want to journey through the book of John that we might see you and have life, life in you. And so for those of us who are frantically looking for life, Jesus, we want to lay hold of the life that you offer, true life, life abundantly, life to the full. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited to go on this journey of John with all of us in our, our summer reading. And before I transition and get off the stage, I realize that there are people here who don't have a relationship with Jesus or the word, people who are still stuck in death, walking in darkness, Maybe you sense something in this moment. Maybe you sense the presence of God. And you're saying, I need a new beginning. I need a fresh start. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm walking in the cycle of just hurt and pain and bitterness. Or maybe you're walking in addiction. Maybe you feel like you just can't find freedom. And I want to let you know that freedom, that hope, that life is in Jesus Christ. And I, I would love to lead us in a prayer, a prayer of a new beginning, another in the beginning moment for us. And uh, my prayer today is that for those of us who don't have a relationship with God, we would start one today because he loves you. He doesn't want to be impersonal. The word became flesh. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. And so I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I'm going to have us bow our heads and close our eyes in a moment. But if you're saying, Pastor Pradeepan, would you pray for me? Would you include me in that prayer? On the count of three, just lift up your hand and lift it so I can see it and then put it down and I'll pray for you. So if you're saying, Pastor Pradeepan, pray for me. I want to receive that new life in Jesus. Raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Amen, amen, amen. Three hands, four hands, five, six hands. Amen, amen. Hey, I'm proud of you. And I want to lead us all in a prayer. And let's do this as a community of friends. And let's say this prayer all at the same time. The words are on the screen. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause? Amen. Well, I'm proud of you. I'm excited for this journey. And hey, if you're one of the five or six people that raise your hands for that prayer of salvation saying, I want to surrender my life to Jesus, please fill out this connection card 
and, and check the box, yes, I'd like to follow Jesus, because we don't want you to walk through this journey alone, because we're not just a friendly church. We're a church of friends. friends. Amen. All right, Moses, why don't you take over? Let's give Pastor Bradeepin a hand. Uh, again, if you did raise your hand, that was like a mountain like moved. So man, I'm, I'm so excited for you as well. Again, back to that connection card. Also, just hearing about soap. If you don't know about soap, it is amazing. Uh, it changed my walk as a Christian. I'm gonna just kind of give a little nudge and say, go old school, like start a journal. And I actually write out when I do soap, I actually write S-O-A-P on the like margins. Um, it's really changed how I delve into the word and it really has done a lot for me. Um, man, I love this. I love being able to MC and introduce people like I know. And this cat is a dude like I've known for a very long time. He's a great brother. I've known him through ministry just for years. So it's ridiculous that the Holy Spirit has brought us in the same church together now. Um, this is Ty Hansen. He's the homie. He has another very good looking twin. Uh, they are both incredibly good looking, incredibly kind, loving men of God way too humble, so he's like making it awkward because it's just too many nice words about him. But here's the other thing that I love about this brother. This dude is giving his testimony on his birthday. So just to make it even just slightly more awkward and fun for him, let's sing happy birthday to my dude, Ta Hansen. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ty. Happy birthday to you. Thanks so, thanks so much, Moses. Oh, yeah, just, oh, man, the spotlight, it just felt like the spotlight was on. No, um, thank you, thank you so much. Well, I just want to take a moment this afternoon and share how I got plugged into Kalos Church as well as talk about this cool small group. Be careful, Ty, walking off the ledge here. This cool small group that, um, that I'm leading this summer. So April 14th, so about seven weeks ago, I was a visitor at Kalos, possibly like, like some of you. And I, for 2019, I had just kind of been going around and kind of different, getting filled up at different churches, but not really settled anywhere. Um, pastor was sharing a word about how people have had bad experiences, whether, and he didn't give a specific context, but just a bad experience. Um, and kind of a reaction to that out of protection is isolation, isolating yourself. And what he was saying is that there are people in here that have been isolating and that you, you, this is actually doing you more harm than good. And in that moment, I just kind of sat in my chair looking around. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's talking about me right now. And I just felt the Lord on it. I don't know if you've ever been there where you just feel like, gosh, that's God. And so I just sat there and I, I just, I felt like God was giving me an invitation to lower like my walls of protection. And, and so I sat there, I'm like, okay, great. Thank you, Lord, I'll do that. And then they're like, hey, we, we want people on the dream team. And if you don't know, that's the team that, that serves and does operations. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should do that. And I just kind of closed my eyes. And I, in my own imagination, I just saw this big pen signing my name on a piece of paper. <laughs> Ooh, just that, that birthday song. It was a delay in the, rea <laughs> delay in the reaction. Well, thank you, thank you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Oh. 
best decision I've made in years is plugging into this church and this community and um, the connections team with Linda. It's just awesome and, ev and just everyone. So I just feel so honored and, and connected and um, transitioning into a small, small group. Uh, I'm leading a small group this summer called Triumph and Tragedy. And um, it's really cool. What, and what we're going to be doing is it, it, we're going to be reading two books. Um, the Diary of Anne Frank and Corey Timboom's Tramp for the Lord. Hey. Uh, really cool, really good books. Um, I'm not like a huge reader, so like totally no pressure to finish. Just come, come with uh, discussion items, things like that. But we want to create an environment where people feel connected, where people um, feel safe enough to share their thoughts. Um, and so that's what we'll be doing. Um, it's Saturdays at 10 a.m. But um, yeah, if you're interested, just let me know. Love to connect. And that's about it. Thank you. Thank you so much.